Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Here we go. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Right here is the spot, the place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. Today we're going on a field trip. We're going to BC, Canada. That's British Columbia, okay, for all of you that need a geography lesson. This is my guest, Marty Ether, okay? She is the business. We're going to talk about some things that are spiritual, holistic, healing, that are just, you know, necessities, basic necessities that we should have in our life toolbox. So many of us try to, you know, be carbon copies of others, trying to keep up with the Joneses, living this unauthentic life. But what is it to be empowered from the inside? You know, and I'm going to ask Marty that because I share with her that empowerment is an inside job. You can be motivated. You can be inspired. But to really get that motor running, it's an inside job. She's a best-selling author. She is a transpersonal therapist and a somatic coach, spiritual guide. She's going to lead you through the hoo-hoo, baby. <laughs> so without further ado, Brains, help me welcome her to the edge, Marty Ethan. How are you, Queen? I am wonderful. Thank you so much, April. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast. Oh, I get to be your first. Oh, girl, I hope I'm your best. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, I'm so excited that you are doing a podcast. Let me tell you, podcasting is the business. It really is because people want ease of use and they want authentic grassroots information. All of this fabricated stuff that we see in mainstream media, girl, makes my stomach hurt. It's lies, trickery, and bamboozlery. So when they're dealing with people that have been there, done that, and wear the t-shirt, they really, really appreciate it. So I'm glad that you invest in the time and the energy and to share some space with me today. Thank you so much. Yeah. So tell us, you know, how you show up on the planet. Where you come from? <laughs> uh, where I come from? Well, I grew up in um, a, a rural setting on a farm. Um and from there made my way to the city <laughs> All right. and lost connection with with the roots right and it was in that loss of connection that um i started to find myself and um my journey has been an ongoing journey of learning to love myself and finding who I am. You know, we, we grow up and from the moment we come out, the conditioning starts and it starts with our parents and for the vast majority of people, it is incredibly well-meaning, but they too have been conditioned, right? And the older we get, the further away, generally speaking, we, become from our core, from our essence. And that's what I learned to connect with. And it's 
it's a deepening process until the day that I take my last breath, I will be, you know, deepening into that center. Right. Right. That's what I help people do now is find their authentic self. So you say it's a game of lost and found. All right. So how do you find yourself when you never really knew who that person was? It's a a journey. Absolutely. You know what, when, um, and that's in the book that the chapter that I submitted, that's exactly sort of where it, where it starts was at this place where I came to the realization that my entire life, I had been living this role as a chameleon Mm. and I really had no idea who I was, what I liked. And I came to this really painful realization that I didn't even love myself. If I didn't know what I liked or who I was, how could I love myself? And that's why I wasn't getting the love from the people that supposedly loved me because they didn't know me either. And so it was like I was in my early 40s and I decided I'm going to take this vow. I'm going to learn to love myself. And the first step that I had to take to doing that was swearing off romantic relationships because you had to cut the love off. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute here, sister. You cut the love off first? I did because I knew that in those relationships that the line between who I was and who they wanted me to be would disappear in a blink of an eye. It was so natural mm-hmm. to me. I grew up under some pretty difficult circumstances and I learned how to be this magnificent chameleon. And so I was like, Kate, hey, I can't, I can't be in a relationship because I'm, I'm going to lose myself and I got to, what I'm trying to do is find myself. So I did, I swore off relationships and I tell you for about the first nine months, I was bitter at everybody who was in a relationship because I wanted to be there, but I did, I, I decided, well, how am I going to learn to find myself who I am, what I like? And I thought, you know what, when we want to learn how to learn more about somebody else we date them right right and since i wasn't dating somebody else why don't i date myself right 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 i get it i get it so i did i went to the opera by myself i went to the first time i went out to dinner by myself was so awkward because i'd never experienced that but i went social dancing then i signed up for workshops and then through this place where i started to learn more about myself and started loving myself, my soul's purpose started to unfold. It started to break open. And I know from the outside, I lost so many friends. They were like, you're going through a midlife crisis. You're bipolar. You're flaky. You're flighty. Even my oldest son is like, mom, what the heck is going on with you? Because I would try things and they felt like a fit, but that was that chameleon thing. And after a couple of weeks, it was like, no, this isn't me. Right. But see, that's awareness, you know, and understanding the fiber and the texture of who you are. Um, and it's it's ever evolving, like you said, you know, as we go through day by day brains. OK, it's not this five year process or, you know, a wish list. Every day we evolve. Every day we learn something new. And you have to take all of that in learn to edit, filter, and process. So I guess that's where the shaved head and the blonde bang came from, right? The liberation of self. You know, it's it's funny because I had wanted it for a long time and it just, it 
I knew I knew the haircut that I wanted, but I just couldn't step into it. And then it was just like a one day, here it is. You know, I want to comment on something you said about it's an everyday process. You know, what people don't realize is that we have these two aspects of us, right? We have the natural aspect, which ironically is not the one we tap into most often. And we have the habitual aspect, the aspect of us that has been conditioned, conformed, and is looking for acceptance. And in that place, it's really limited because it's only based off of what we've been taught and our experiences. And it keeps us in a really small bubble, right? And it keeps us trapped in fear. Whereas the natural aspect, that comes from the heart and the potential is limitless. We're connected to the universe, we're connected to others, but there's uncertainty there too, right? And so often people won't step into that place because that's the devil they don't know. They're much more comfortable with the devil they do know. Oh, absolutely. And it's the expectation that you have of other folks. I tell you brains all the time. Life is not contingent on other people. You better get with the program because folks will let you down. And they only let you down if you lift them up. You know, you have to know what you know and accept what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So define some of these big $25 terms. Okay, <laughs> what is somatic what is it again? Somatic healer? Coach. Somatic coach. What is somatic? So somatic therapy comes from the Greek word soma, which means body. body. So traditional talk therapy is considered top down. So the understanding that when we talk things through enough that we can process them and then we can move past them. And it, in many cases, yes, we can do that. But there's always, always a body aspect to it. So everything that we see, do, smell, touch, taste, leaves an imprint in our body. So um, one of the examples I like to use is um, the way that we process and store emotions. So for example, if you were raised in a household where anger was a thing, right? Maybe anger wasn't allowed or maybe anger was there all the time. So you tried to avoid anger. And after a little while, your brain stops trying to process it and would just sh shove it into an area of your body, right? It's like anger comes up and it's like, I'm not dealing with that. It goes here. And it's a, it's a neural pathway, right? Just happens. And the more that happens, the deeper that's entrenched and you can cognize, you can talk about it all you want, but it's going to be really hard to dislodge because it's physically in the body. Oh. And so somatic therapy is a bottom up where we work with the body to release what is stored there and then the brain can make a different pathway and it's really really effective for people who have suffered trauma right because their nervous system is highly disrupted for things like anxiety and grief that really live in the body for it's great for people who maybe don't have the cognitive skills to do all the cognitive processing because you don't need your brain in the cognitive process to have this be effective. It also is really, really effective for situations where people don't want to talk about what happened. And when they do, it is quite often traumatizing. So things like, you know, sexual abuse, rape, um, PTSD, right? And we can actually move these things so that they can get to a place about talking about it without being triggered. 
Okay. So I want to go a little bit deeper. Are we doing this with some sort of hands-on, maybe a Reiki, maybe a hypnotherapy, maybe a, uh, you know, a hit a Airwesca, a joint? What, how, 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 are we get, how are we getting intrinsically involved in the body? Okay. So, yes, you can use a hands-on approach. Um, things like sounding and meditation and breath work. Um, personally... Over the last year and a half, something has transpired in my work, and I have simply become a vessel. So I can guide people. It's not it's not hypnosis. It's it's just their willingness to go into their body. So we just relax first, and they take their awareness, their mental awareness, into their body, and I guide them in there, and um, they come up against or with in in connection how about not against but in connection with their higher self and we move things that way they receive quite often direct messages um they see see um symbols and and hear things yeah you you gotta be brains you gotta be that person that's willing to trust and go on that journey because just because she she's a guy she's a facilitator Okay. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have the pixie dust. She can't make it better for you. What she can do is guide you through the process and take you there and allow you to reframe it, to reshape it, to realize that, you know, you are a victim of circumstance, that you are not the actual person. Now you also do transpersonal therapy. Mm -hmm. How is that? running parallel and contrast what is that about it it actually works um beautifully in in conjunction with because transpersonal therapy is where um we are connecting you to the uh we're doing a journey basically cognitively to Connecting to the aspect of you that is beyond the personality, is beyond the body, beyond the conditioning. It is the authentic self. So both of these work really, really well together because they are connecting you to the authentic aspects of self, the higher aspects. Yeah. So you go on this journey and you start and you coming from the farm, girl. <laughs> yeah, no. Where this was all considered very evil stuff. So That's it was what I'm quite saying. you know that looking at you like what is this witchery what is this this hoo-hoo and what that does is that's that's very confusing too because now you got more outside noise Mm -hmm. you're struggling to find yourself you know you're struggling to find this deeper you and you got all these other people saying, oh, no, you better get, you know, you better get baptized. Or, you know, you better do this or you better do that because what you're doing is totally in contrast to what we're saying. So that was a, a inner struggle as well. When did you just say, you know what, I'm going to free my mind and the rest will follow? Well, you know what? Okay, so that's very interesting you bring that up because I was in a very um, entrenched um religious group and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus right and um at age 27 I started having a little inkling um 
that I needed to expand beyond that. Right. And when I left, when I decided to step out, then I was shunned and I lost my family and my entire group. So that was difficult. And, and I kind of stayed within a real safe bubble until my 40s. And then when I started going on this journey of inner self, all these things started to awaken that were very much alive when I was a child. And uh, I got in contact with some estranged relatives and they told me, you, oh, you had these gifts very pronounced when you were young, but they essentially got beat out of you because it was bad. It was from the devil. It was whatever. And as I started doing this work, April, it wasn't just make your mind and move on because my heart was like, okay, yeah, these things are opening to me and I'm being invited. But the conditioning was so strong. I would have nightmares of demons and all of these things because it was this conflicting mental energy that I'd been taught this was evil this was wrong and my heart was saying no this is not like step into this and it took years to like break loose of that conditioning well brains y'all gonna get mad so you might you might as well start with your keyboard courage now send me a note but, but <laughs> religion is a form of brainwash okay spirituality can also be a form of brainwash. Um, so it can be what, used as an excuse too. It can be used as an excuse, right? It can be used as a crutch, but it can also take you to that zenith point of awareness. It can make you fly without wings. It can take you to the, the source. And Braze, what I want all of us to understand, I can say it one time, I say it a million times, we are in a lunar vortex, whether you want to believe it or not. The whole... The whole situation is changing. We are going into outer space. And so either you better get in line or you're going to get left behind. Everything is changing. Now, I'm a Christian. You know, I know where my, my particular blessings come from. But with that, I'm trying to get past that religious doctrine. I'm trying to get to the source. Okay? I'm trying to get to the universal source. I'm trying to really be up there in the heavens in the sky. See, I ask people all the time, what planet are you from? I'm from Jupiter. You know, I know because I got these energy rings and it's pulling and it's a force. What planet are you from, Marty? Mars. Mars. Why are you from Mars? I don't know why I'm from Mars. Um, my name actually means gift from Mars. Mm. And it was very interesting. Um, I I love studying ancient texts, ancient, what we would call religious texts, but sacred texts, right? Because I believe that pretty much all of these religions, if you get past their rules, you get to the principles, they're all beautiful, they're all Absolutely. sacred, there's this wonderful thing. And they're, and, all, so, and they're all harmonious, and there's one love. Amen! Okay. We, so, are like, we are like the Jamaicans, man, it's one love. <laughs> Yes. And so in this place where I was doing some studying, I was studying some channeled works by, I'm not familiar, no, if you're familiar or the brains are familiar with uh, the works of Quo or Ra. Mm. And these are, these are channeled works. And they were talking about how, you know, different aspects of us are from different planets, right? And they talked in particular about Mars and the very, the 
I was, I remember I was standing in a garage and I was, I was painting, staining boards and every hair on my body stood up. You know how, like when you have that moment where something is so powerful and the room started to spin and they were talking about the connection of these beings that were from Mars that were transplanted here and they connected it to the name Jehovah. Mm, Jehovah Jireh. And remember, I came from this group that I extricated from earlier on, which, you know, is very familiar with that name. Right. And there was something in that. And as I started to, um, as I started to look into it, I was like, oh, that wouldn't be so bad. And it was just sort of an idea. But my entire life, people have said to me, you're not human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know that sounds funny. They say, you're not human and you're a hybrid. And I was like, well, maybe I am. And that doesn't change the trajectory of my journey because I'm opening up to my soul's purpose and I am communicating that purpose. But now. it makes it more, it makes it more challenging because you mere earthlings. <laughs> Really, I mean, the simplicity of it all is just really rather boring uh, because they're encapsulated in this, just like you said, this little bubble. And a lot of times it's not a love bubble, Brains. Oh, it's you know? not. Anytime you're in that bubble, it's not. It's not. You got to be outside and there's the a bubble. Fear. Exactly. You have to be like hydrogen, baby. You got to, you got to rise. You have to rise. Absolutely. So let's ask some fun questions about you. I already know that you, I already know you're from Mars. <laughs> I you had were, no idea that was coming up. That's crazy. Well, you know, hey, that's our role. That's exactly Love our it. role. All right. So if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? I was appliance in the kitchen. Oh, oh, an appliance. Um. Hmm. Okay, I'd be a, a kettle. You'd be a teapot? A kettle, a kettle, not a teapot, a kettle. A kettle, okay. So why would you be a kettle? Because it can heat things up and create a change because it'll change from water to vapor. And wow. that, that is what... That is what I am experiencing in me. And that is what I help others do is to transform who they are, mm. to remember who they are. Right. All right. Well, that's cool. I'd be the spice grinder. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> I like it. You know, I like it spicy. Mm -hmm. I like to change it. If you had three wishes, what would they be, Marty? Oh, my gosh. Well, that you're going to make me cry. I felt that like right away. Well, that's um, all wrong. I told you now. That's all wrong. <laughs> uh, the first wish that I would have is um, that people would connect to their own inner light, right? That they could see that they truly are nothing other than love. And in that place, the other wishes would follow because they would work in communion with each other and they would work in communion with the earth all right so you said that you had uh you know you gave up on love mm -hmm. what's your ideal partner what's what are some of the characteristics that your ideal partner holds 
Well, it's amazing because in this place where I gave up on love and once I fell in love with myself, um, a partner just showed up. What? <laughs> and it was funny because I had vowed that I was not. I, I was like, you know what? I'm in this place of loving myself. I'm not really interested in a relationship. And it showed up in the way that I had told the universe that I would never, ever I said, never online. I'm not meeting anybody online. I'm never doing a dating site. And I didn't, but this person showed up in a different online way. And I will tell you, the ideal partner um, embraces tenderness in everything they do. Not to be confused with weakness because there's tremendous strength in being tender in this world. And... Um, before I even met him, I said, if I get involved with somebody, I want somebody who wants to pray with me, who wants to lead us in prayer, who cherishes the connection that I have with the universe as much as he cherishes his own. And that it's about honoring that and together helping people step into their their power and their love as a unit so it's like together is about empowering each other but more so making a world change well see you said something that's a direct parallel brains because she moved away from the religious doctrine she did not move away from god she did not move away from honoring the source that takes her to that spiritual place of awareness that allows her to be a spiritual guide that allows her to work with um, people in a very heart-centered kind of way so don't get it confused when people don't read or live in the text as it has been once before my book is the book of revelations and I have to put it down because I am living it. I never thought in a gazillion years, I thought girl, I'd be dead and gone. But now the plagues that are facing us, the disease, uh, people with uh, different type of anger, uh, mm. different types of pain, uh, not wanting to conform, not wanting to be tender, not loving. All of that is written. So if you get a chance, pick up a book. It could be the Quran, the Torah, the Bible, you know, the Awake magazine, Jehovah Witnesses. I don't get mad at the witnesses. They come to my door and they knock and I honor them. Because the reason is anybody that has the courage to walk the streets to try to bring you salvation, now, how much of it you want to take, you know, that's up to you. But that takes courage to do that. <laughs> that's what my God did. My God was a pulper. He walked the street in raggedy clothes, nappy hair, and bare feet. So, oh, and I get goose pimples when I think about it because and that's the real deal. But people are trying to take you to that next level. Now, you know, if you don't want to do it, I totally get it. Let's go back to the fun questions. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? An elephant. I love elephants. You know, I had a, um, 
a spiritual guide, uh, shamanic, in Yosemite. And she says, I give you two gifts. And one was an elephant and the other one was an owl. Why would you like to be an elephant? I would love to be an elephant because there's so many reasons. One of them, I have to say, is because they are massive. They are incredibly strong, Mm -hmm. and yet they are gentle. They use their strength not over something, but merely to defend themselves. It's not about overpowering something. They are emotionally intelligent. They live as a family unit. They mourn the loss of their loved ones. They are incredibly intelligent. They are these massive beings with these soft, gentle hearts. And I love that because we, we as humans in this conditioned society, we have a bastardized view of what strength is. Oh, yeah. And strength is love. Absolutely. There is nothing stronger than that. And when you see animals in the in the wilderness, they are not exerting their power over something else to dominate, right? To get more acorns or to get more whatever. This is this is how they they live. Right. 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 Well, you know, uh, I would be a party animal. <laughs> okay. Because I'm allergic to elephant hair. I went to the cotton. Yeah. I went to the cotton picking circus <laughs> and my face swole up this big and I was like, what is up with that? I my legs my legs did because I, I rode an elephant. This is sorry people, this is before I realized how how circuses are not the ideal place for it. This was a long time ago, but I was young, much younger and I was wearing shorts and I, I rode an elephant and I got like boils all on the inside of my legs. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? My story was amazing because I worked with a woman at Origins. I don't know if you guys remember the cosmetic company, but she was a circus performer. And she stopped performing with the circus. And she went back when they had Barman Bailey Circus that traveled everywhere. The elephant had not been retired. The elephant sniffed her out of the audience went down and picked her up with her trunk and put her on the back. <gasps> well, needless to say, you know, her family had money. They bought the elephant from the circus and they retired the elephant. Oh. So it was such a beautiful story. But girl, my nose was itching and face <laughs> and neck. And it, I would have never thought that. So that's not my thing. But what is my thing is loving on people and trying to meet them where they are you know uh-huh. i'm a strong personality but i have learned to navigate the storm i have learned to just you know if people want to be in a certain place i need to meet them where they are or i need to travel in a different direction and traveling in that di- different direction causes grief and anxiety and you do work with people in the areas of grief and anxiety and grieving brains is grieving the loss of a loved one, a pet, a job, your finances, your self A dream. A dream, exactly. How do you hold people's hand when they come to you in a situation of grief? Oh, everybody's everybody's grief journey is is different. Yep. 
right? And um, one of the things that I like to make very, very clear is it's not about getting over grief. Grief, grief is that part of our story that just changes the storyline. It evolves, right? And it's, it's a slow process, but in the whole thing, we discover more about ourselves. We discover more about life. I quite often liken it to, and there's these ups and downs always, right? But it's like, and the progress is slow. It's always slow. Because even when you think, you, oh yeah, here, something will hit. It'll be an anniversary or a birthday or something, a life event. Oh and it's like, yeah, a song on the radio. That always gets me. Yeah. And so I, I like to use the illustration of, it's like, you know, let's say you're taking a commuter bus or a commuter train to work. And every day you're looking, you're going through the same neighborhoods and everything looks the same, right? And it might be spring. And then one day there's snow on the ground. And that's sort of how it is on that grief journey, right? It's like, it feels like we're going nowhere. We're going nowhere. We're seeing the same thing all the time. And then one day there's snow on the ground or one day there's, there's blooms on the tree. And then you give yourself a little more permission to step into life a little more fully. Right. Because life doesn't stop. It feels like it does. But what you have to understand is that we're all organic brains and we're all going to expire. But that does not mean that you are not going to be lifted higher. You don't have to stay stuck. You really don't. I'm, you know, I'm not a strong proponent of, you know, my number being called right away. But I have had, but I've had my come to Jesus meeting. And I had a real tough one when it came to, um, the loss of my mother. But let me tell you, it was one of the most beautiful transitions I'd ever seen in my life. My mother lived with us for 30 years and it's real cool. We all got along, you know, but it was time for her to move on to that next destination. And I actually got to see the soul separate from the body. And I saw nothing but the shell and I knew that that wasn't there. I knew that she's here. I converted her, her bedroom into my office. And I felt her walk with me and I hear her talk to me and giggle and all of these things. And I feel more of her presence now than I saw her laying there in pain and agony. I was There was no unanswered questions. You know, we knew it. We knew that there was a synergy, that we would be together again, that I still had work here to do. So it was a beautiful process, but then everybody doesn't go through that. A lot of people go through trauma. I'm sorry, go ahead. What you want to say? I was I was just gonna say, you know, um it's again in this little bubble that we live in, we but we don't believe things we can't see. Mm. Right? Well, and they believe the internet. Okay. I know. Can't see okay, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So the thing is, is when you realize that they don't actually leave, it's like they're in a different room. And we just have to communicate with them differently. And when somebody box against that, I will say, okay. Have you ever stood in the right position in your living room where the sun comes in and you see the dust particles? Mm -hmm. You don't normally see them, but in the right light, the right angle, they're there, but mm -hmm. they're always there. That's and just because you can't see something with your eyes does not mean they're not there. And the thing is, is where you are connecting to her in that place, because you've never been disconnected, but you're allowing that. 
When we don't feel that, it's because we're not allowing that. We're living in that little bubble, that fear conditioning, that place where we say, this can't happen, and this is then this is what I'm going to experience. And so, of course, the trauma you experience of a loss of a loved one is much more intense mm -hmm. than when you have the understanding that it's not a loss. It's just a shift in it's the way shift. you interact. I asked my mother, you know, I said, Mama, I said, how are you doing? She said, oh, it's nice up here. <laughs> I said, really? I said, do they have shrimp? She says, they have everything. <laughs> you know, I said, are there colors? She says, there's colors that I've never seen. And her voice, so angelic. It resonates in my ear and it just vibrates. You know, and I'm at such peace, as I always say, I'm bent, baby, but I am not broken. Mm -hmm. Not broken. And again, there are people that do not have that experience. Some people have went through traumatic losses, multiple losses. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they just can't get beyond that. They self-medicate because of that. But hold on, baby. Hold on. You know, be like that little cat that's hanging on the branch of the tree. Just hang on. It's going to be all right because you're here for two reasons, to learn and to teach. That's it. You can't take any of the superficial stuff with us. We're all organic. We're all going to expire. So just ride with it and be gentle with yourself. Thank you so much, Marty, for being gentle with us here on The Edge. Before we conclude, I want my brains to know about the upcoming anthology that you're going to be a part of. We're yeah. going to get more information on that. And we're going to feature that as soon as it's out, but it did make the bestseller status on Amazon. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it's so exciting. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, so 22 beautiful women um, did a collaboration on a book called goddess and it, it, they are short stories, um, personal stories, about the transformation journeys and they they range from losing their job to you know knocking on death's doorstep and how they made that transformation and so exciting in the first day we made bestseller in the uk um australia and the usa and then the next day was canada and germany um and the book is called goddess so we're going to feature more about the goddess, the goddess with the shaved head and the blonde, the blonde bang. I love you deeply and completely. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom, allowing this to be your first podcast. I wish you much success. Get out there and share the message because you do. You have a message of love and light. And I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Brains, I told you, be gentle with yourself. Uh, and go right here. You see this address right here? It's all up in your face, okay? You can't miss it, okay? I need you to share, subscribe, love, like, share, subscribe, love, like. One more time. Share, subscribe, love, like. Because that's what life is about, an algorithm. <laughs> all right. Talk to you soon, sister. Bye, brains.